Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman and uh, I'm excited to talk to everybody today. Um, so I got some great episode from my feedback last week. Uh, one was from a lady who said she bought herself, um, that was the talk about Elul. Uh, one was from a lady who said she bought herself a reusable water bottle and no longer buys the bottled water in plastic. And this will save her about a dollar a day. So ladies, if you reduce the cost of the water bottle, say $20, depending on if you're counting in the secular year or the Jewish year, that's between, well, secular year is $365 and the Jewish year would be $353 in a non-leap year. Less the cost of a bottle, you're still saving more than $300. Wow, amazing. Think about zero waste as a place where you could save. And additionally, in addition to the savings, the monetary savings, think about the time it's gonna save you. Now she doesn't have to shop for plastic water bottles anymore. And also the trouble, because now she doesn't have to schlep them into her house or get her kids to do it for her. And I think that it's like a really great commitment to make for the year, so kola kavod. Um, today I'm gonna take some time to answer some questions that I have gotten throughout the summer while I was traveling that I didn't have time to address all of them. So I'm gonna try to do a marathon today and get through it. Um, here goes. <laughs> One thing I wanna say is that if you don't hear me answering you, um, ask me again. And I'm gonna actually do a food, all the f questions I got about cooking and food separately. There were a few overlapping questions about how to use coconut oil for other things, so I'll try to address those today. But uh, in general, I'm gonna try to hold off on the food questions. Now, next week is Yom Tov. It's on Wednesday, which is my usual day. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna try, <laughs> I'm gonna try to, to get an episode out next week, but actually I was thinking next week would be a really great episode to do like a small little mini episode with my husband and deal with all the food questions. So um, I didn't really get feedback on if you guys wanna hear me do an episode with my husband or not. I think it would be chaval to not do that episode with him since he does a lot of the cooking in our house. Um, I'll sort of explain why he does a lot more of the cooking. Um, I actually do mostly grocery shopping, but he does uh, the cooking. Um, so, well, no, he, he we'll discuss it. <laughs> but um, I will address it in the food issue. So please um, leave me you know, some feedback on that. And Bezrat uh, Hashem, I will um, discuss that all in the next episode. And if you have any food questions that you haven't asked me yet, please um, feel free to ask me about them. Now, I'm going to just say this. I'm not a great chef. Uh, I really don't enjoy cooking anymore. Um, and I can sort of discuss that sort of why and, and where it comes from when we're discussing food. But um, yeah, leave me your questions about that. And uh, food is not my area of expertise. I'm not a chef, I'm an organizer. So we could talk about menu planning a little bit, but um, I don't know, food is sort of a category I like to stay away from. Anyways, okay, let's get into it. Schiffer from Lakewood called me a few times, so you'll probably hear her name a few times today. <laughs> um, let's, I'm trying to go through things in sort of like a normal semblance here. So um, she said to me a great idea, which I'm pretty sure I mentioned before, but I don't know. So uh, for sentimental items that you can't throw away, um, why, why not just take a picture? Great, great idea, and I love that idea, and I always advise people to do that. Now, Schiffer asked me some complicated questions about how to set up my kitchen, and the thing is, is that my kitchen is not your kitchen. How it's set up and the space and the shape, how it's laid out, is totally different from yours. Baruch Hashem, I actually have a really large kitchen, um, large by my standards anyways. <laughs> it's the largest kitchen I've ever had in 15 years of being married. Um, it doesn't have a ton of cabinet space, but it has a lot of space, so I don't feel cramped. It doesn't really have a lot of counter space either. Um, but it's fine, and we make it work. How you set up your kitchen really is a, is a function of, of the cabinets and space that you have. It's really hard for me to give specifics um, in this medium because I can't see your kitchens, and, um, you know, 
I can't make suggestions on what I can't see. So setting up a kitchen is a really individualized, personalized thing, and um, it's really important to understand that I can't just give like blanket, you know, answer. Put this there and this there because it won't it won't work for everybody because not everybody has the same setup. So um, I'm happy to address individuals' kitchen issues. So if you want to send me a picture. Um, you know, that's fine. I'm happy. You could send me an email at Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at balagambegone.com. And I will answer your email in the episode, and I'll, you know, give a detailed description as best I can of what the kitchen looks like, and I'll try to suggest placements. So um, that being said, Shifra, I want to just say this to all the perfectionists out there, because Shifra mentioned being a perfectionist. Perfectionism is the opposite of, well, perfect, is the opposite of done. If you're trying to make everything perfect, it's not possible. You can make things great and beautiful, but like the perfect that's in our mind is usually not even necessary. Like we can just get by with having it be done. It doesn't need to be perfect. Sometimes it just needs to be finished and we don't need to kill ourselves to try to make it perfect. We don't need to be schmatas to make it perfect. Like, make sure it's done. Everybody's gonna enjoy the food. It doesn't have to like be sprinkled perfectly with garnish on top. It just has to taste good and it's gonna taste good because you're cooking it with love. So try to dial back on the perfectionism. It will really, really, really help you. Um, okay, so, so she asked me, um, once you have a side for meat, and aside for dairy, what about the food? <laughs> what about the food processor? Should I have salt in a separate place? So um, I like to keep like items together, as I always say, and this applies to food too. Like items go together. Um, it might take some time to figure out the perfect solution for you or the best working solution for you. And you might have to move things around a few times to get it to a, to a place where it's working for you. But the truth is, is that that's true with any system. It takes time to fine tune it and make it work like a fine oiled machine. Like you don't just engineer the perfect solution in one go. It, it happens with time and effort. So invest a little time into figuring out how you use the, the uh, things in your kitchen the most. So for example, I would never put spices next to my oven because the heat, um, is actually not great for um, for the spices. It can, you know, make them lose their fragrance faster. But um, they are close to my stove where I grab them the most. So all of my spices are grouped together on one shelf along with the rice cakes. Don't ask me why, because that's where the rice cake boxes fit. Um, and the spices are there and it, it makes sense. Next to my spices in the cabinet next to them, I keep all the liquid um, condiments like oils or sauces. Um, I don't keep a lot of them because I cook really simply. Uh, for me, it's just easier. I spend less money that way and I don't have to think so much. But um, the, the liquid spices, if you will, condiments, won't fit in the same area that my my dry spices fit and so they're in the, just in the cabinet next to each other and it works for me and it took me a while to figure out where to put everything when we moved in but you know it takes time don't expect it to happen overnight now regarding the food processor i actually don't leave mine on my counter i actually have a set of shelves in my kitchen and i leave it on the kitchen on the shelf and when i need it i move it to the food processor now in israel um or when i made aliyah I had already had a food processor and a KitchenAid mixer and a Vitamix. So I um, do leave a converter on my kitchen counter because it's really heavy. It weighs about 50 pounds or something like that. And I just leave it there and I never move it. And that's where we always use our mixer and our Vitamix and our um, Cuisinart. And um, that works for us. The, the transformer doesn't take up a lot of space. But um, it's there because it's too hard to move. So, you know, think about those kind of things also. Um, when you are setting up your kitchen, it's really, it's really important to um, think about 
the flow of your kitchen. How is your kitchen gonna, how can you maximize your efficiency in your kitchen um, so that you have sort of like economic movements? So for example, when you're cooking, you're gonna cook faster and more efficiently if you think about the movements that it takes to, to set things up. So for example, Sorry, this is not being clear. I'm trying to think about the best way of saying this. When you're cooking, okay, um, a lot of times thing have to, things have to go into the pot, chick-chock, one right after the other. And you need to have everything set up where you can quickly grab it. So sometimes maybe, let's say, I'll be using a spoon in my frying pan, and I'll be like, no, this is not efficient. I can't grab any of the vegetables, so I'm going to switch to my tongs. Well, I have to be able to grab the tongs without moving too far. So when you're trying to like set that kind of stuff up, think about how, how your movements, how quickly you can move in between tasks when you are um, you know, thinking about efficiency in your kitchen. So Shifra, I hope that helps. And if you have any more questions, um, feel free to send me another voicemail. Um, okay, a lady called me and said she goes shopping infrequently and overbuys because she doesn't always know when she's going to get out again. Now, this is not only an organization issue, but it's also a waste issue because obviously you don't want to buy things, waste money on things that you don't necessarily need if you already have them. So this is where organization um, will really be helpful. The first thing I want to say about this, though, really, is that you definitely need to believe that Hashem will always make sure you have what you need. Like, it's our part, we have to do our part, but definitely think about that, like, you're always gonna have what you need. Don't worry that you won't have what you need. Now, you have to do your part, so you need to plan a little bit. If you are going to the store, you probably know when you're going to the store because if it's not something that you're doing frequently, you're probably planning these trips. So you know that you're gonna go to the store. Take a few minutes to do an inventory of, of your house. If you're gonna go, let's say, to the grocery store, uh, go through your pantry and do a quick inventory about uh, what you already have. Take a picture uh, with your phone or your camera and take it with you so you can refer to it while you're in the store. Sounds crazy, but I do it all the time. And it's so helpful because who can remember that I have half a cup of uh, lentils when I really need three cups of lentils? And then I just look at my picture and I can see what I have in my pantry. And like a little bit of planning is going to save you from overbuying. And it'll also give you the confidence you need to purchase correctly. So that's definitely an organization issue, time management issue. Just take a 10 minutes even to even five minutes just to plan your trip, make a list. It will keep you from overbuying and spending too much and taking up room that you don't really need and wasting food that you don't really need or supplies that you don't really don't need. This is true for non-food items, for clothing too. What happens if you can't remember exactly what color your skirt was? So you bought a shirt and then it's the wrong color shirt, but then you never really got back to the store to return it. So now you're stuck with an extra shirt that you didn't really want. You're never going to wear it, but you can't give it away. And it's a whole, oops, sorry, it's a whole vicious cycle and you just can't break free. So when you're, you know, taking a picture of your closet, you'll know what's in your closet and you won't buy, you know, six more black skirts because you'll know you already have 20. Hopefully you don't have that many and you would never buy that many new ones, but you get the point. Um, Simi from Lakewood asked me about compost. If you put something compostable in the landfill, won't it decompose? No, it will not decompose. Um, decomposing works the same way that our human respiratory systems work. It needs several factors to make sure that it can function properly. In our case, we are living in the case of garbage it, or compost, it needs to decompose. And in order to decompose, things need air. And um, I think for me, this is very much like why the Jewish um, uh, like burial practices are the way that they are. They're actually pretty eco-friendly because we don't embalm people, um, which, you know, embalming, um, 
uh, allow is a, a preservative. It preserves the body so that it doesn't decompose. But we don't do that. We and we wrap just in Israel. You don't even bury in a coffin. Um, you just bury the body with the shroud, and it goes back to the earth. And um, it's it's natural. It decomposes though, because it has air to maneuver. In a landfill, things are packed in so tightly that uh, there's no air. And in fact, in a landfill, um, the tightness produces a pressure which causes a gas to be met, made, methane gas. And actually, methane gas is really bad for the environment. Um, it causes a lot of pollution and a lot of breathing problems for people who are exposed to it. So um, definitely, a compost is not the same as throwing in a landfill. If you have the opportunity to compost, I encourage you to take it. Um, it really is better for the environment, and it's really, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, there's something, <laughs> I'm really, I have a black thumb. I just want to say, I have a totally black thumb. There's something about throwing my compost into a pile that makes me feel like I'm the agricultural Jew from the Torah. Like, you know, I, I can feel like close, especially because I live in Israel, I guess I feel like more closely related to like the laws of farming and everything like that because I'm doing something for my personal plot of farm in Israel. And like, I have to say my compost isn't so amazing. Um, I haven't been able to use it a ton. But that's because I don't turn it enough and give it enough oxygen. And I probably don't give it enough water either. But... Tove, it's doing what it needs to do, and I feel like I'm putting back into into Israel, and I, you know, for me, I don't know, it actually gives me a really satisfied feeling. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about Shavy from Muncie. She wants to know, this is a great question, how do you manage? How? With a toddler and a baby, it's too much. I can't get everything done that I need to get done. Okay, first of all, you need to breathe. It's overwhelming. Um, I mean, I totally get that. I mean, my um, oldest son was 21 months old when my twins were born. So I really, really get the fact that, like, you just can't get a lot done. You can't get a lot done. You need to focus your attention on the diapers and the feeding and the burping and the sleeping and the padding and the sickness. And you have to spend your time with your baby. You do. You just do. And you have to spend your time with the toddler. So what I suggest is because you still need to go grocery shopping and do the laundry and clean the floor and all those other things, ask for help. Now, if you can afford help, call a kavod. You should take it. <laughs> Either if it's cleaning or someone to just watch the kids so you can get a few minutes to like, take care of tasks that you need to take care of, like doctor's appointments, scheduling doctor's appointments, or even going to the doctor ap appointment because... Let's not forget, self-care is so important. We also need to take care of our own bodies or else we can't be good mothers. But um, a great idea that I love, and it's not just for, for this, but I love swaps. Swap with your friend. Take your friend's kids for two hours, and she'll take your kids for two hours, and you know, you have a play date, which is great. And then you have a few hours of free time. You could do it a couple times a week. You could do it with a few different friends. You could do it, one does the morning and one does the afternoon. However you need to do it, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, it's just a really great way to, first of all, save money, but also help your friend, who's probably struggling also, but also help yourself. So I think that, um, we can learn a lot from swapping in that situation. Now, if you're talking about, you know, how do you manage it all in general, the thing is to do is to set a schedule. Now, I know that when you have small kids, it sounds crazy to set a schedule, but hear me out. We talked about this before, not overscheduling yourself. So if you set one item to do every day for the week, then I think you'll probably be able to get most of the things done that you need. So for example, let's say you spent 
one day a week cooking, and you spend one day a week shopping, and you spend one day a week doing the cleaning, and then you divide up the tasks throughout the day, and you sort of tackle it as the day comes along, it's going to be a lot more manageable than if you say, okay, at 10 o'clock, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Well, that won't work because maybe at 10 o'clock your baby will have woken up from his nap and he just won't be interested in letting you cook. So this way, you can just sort of sneak in whenever it's done, sneak the cooking in whenever it's done, let's say, or sneak the cleaning in whenever it's done, whenever you have time, and work around the baby schedule. I mean, the key to getting it all done in this situation is being flexible. Now, um... I hope that helps you. Please let me know if you have any more questions. If you have a specific question about how, like how I answer that, please call me back and let me know. Um, the next question I got is about um, BPA. What is BPA? That's a great question. BPA is bicephenol A. It's a chemical to make plastic. Um, plastic resins and they coat, in addition to making plastic bottles with it, um, cans, bottle tops, and some dental sealants are also coated with BPA. Now, BPA is concerning because it can leak into your food um, and the exposure may have negative effects on your brain, the prostate glands of fetuses, infants, children, and on blood pressure. So, um, if we're talking about BPA and why, I'm sorry, I'm just checking my notes here, why it could be bad for you. It could be all those reasons. Now, there's very, very little studying going on on BPAs. So in my opinion, because we know so little about it at this point, it's best to avoid BPA wherever you can. Choose things that are BPA-free. Avoid cans unless they're marked BPA-free. I think the Eden Organic brand is marked BPA-free. Um, Try to minimize your exposure to those things. Um, Bezrat Hashem, it will be a worthwhile effort uh, and that nothing will, bad will happen to the people who are using BPA. Um, I try to avoid it in general. I try to avoid using plastics. Um, I try to use um, stainless steel or ceramic or glass whenever I can. Um, stainless steel is a really great option for kids because it might dent, but it doesn't break so um, all right husbands who are not on board with you I actually got another question from another group I belong to actually from a from a client I, I have um, I had to stop and remember who was speaking to me about it um, she wanted to clean out her machsan her storage unit and she wanted to hire me, and her husband was just like, no, we're not hiring someone to do it. And I don't know if it really was about paying for the money to hire someone to help them clean out their storage, or if it was just the physical and emotional trauma that goes along with um, you know, cleaning out an area like that. But what I, I want to say is you can you can clean out and organize for yourself. And you can say to your husband, look, I need to make this change on my things for myself. I'm not going to touch your things because that's like number two, rule two of organizing. Do not throw out other people's stuff. Um, in fact, I should give you guys all of my rules about organizing because I just uh, made a class about that. Um, so... Uh, you can't throw out other people's stuff. And just make it clear to your husband, you're not throwing away his stuff. You can say to him, listen, I'm going to make Chad Pami available to you, but I'm not using it and I'm not allowing my kids to use it anymore. And, and, or even if you do allow the kids to use it, but the fact of the matter is, is that you can set it up so that you don't need to... Um, you don't need to affect him in a negative way. So I want to, it's a tricky issue because there's a lot of emotional things that are involved with change. And so when you change things for people too much, it, it can be really, really hard for them. And, you know, just if you make it clear to him, 
that it's not going to affect him that you're just doing this for you. I think that eventually he will come around and be like, seeing what a positive effect it has on you and your family, that he might come around. He may not, you know. Bezrat Hashem, he will. But, you know, he may not. So if you're struggling with your husband and organization, don't let it, like, worry you. Don't let it get you down. He'll, he's going to come around. There are plenty of, listen, organization is not the thing that I struggle with with my husband. That is not our, um, you know, constant battle. Uh, we have other constant battles, but we're, like, what I notice about when we are, you know, having an argument or a disagreement about something else is that it coming from um, a place of worry. Like, I won't be able to adapt to what you're doing, and I'm scared because, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know how to deal with it. So if you, and I think this is true with how we deal with our kids and organization, too, like, I'm scared. I don't know how to deal with this. And you're telling me to do something, and I don't understand it, and it's not how my brain works, and I can't do it, and I don't see the point, and I don't understand it. And, like, there's a real sense of worry about this change and, like, making your – and the self-improvement. And I, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not, you know, a counselor. I'm not any of those things. These are just my, my own personal observations about how people deal with – this kind of change after years and years of doing this and and even seeing like my kids and how they deal with organization and like first of all if they're not in the headspace of being able to cope with being organized then they can't get organized i know even for myself when i'm feeling like a little sad or overwhelmed or tired my house gets to be really messy and my husband looks at me and he goes are you okay? Because sometimes I can't even cope with the organization. I, I say to myself, like, I look sometimes at my desk and I'm like, hey, this is out of control and I need to fix it. But in order for me to fix it, I need to get hold of whatever problems I'm having like emotionally in that minute. And as soon as I address that emotional issue that's attached to whatever's happening now, I can like magically, um, deal with the organization and I can spend an hour and get myself tidied and organized and put my head on right once I deal with the emotional aspect. So I think that there's very much this emotional aspect to it and you definitely have to address it when you're talking to your husband or even your kids. It's Organizing your life is actually a really, really scary thing because it forces you to address areas that you have sort of shoved down into your deep, dark recesses of your soul. And I know that sounds like cheesy or that I'm over-explaining something or that I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but it really is true. The stuff we hold onto, we are emotionally connected to for one reason or another, or we have some sort of fear about things or there's any myriad of, of possible uh, reasons why we hold on to things. And when I think when you look at the cause, especially when it's with someone you love, um, it's easier to address it and manage their fears and to get them on board better or easier or actually get them on board at all. And that is really key to being successful for you. Like uh, ultimately you want to make your whole family successful and organization is what will keep your family successful and you know it's important to get it on to get people on board. So I hope this this was a little bit of a a gem for somebody. I I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts about that. Um and now I'm going to move on to a little bit of a lighter subject. <laughs> coconut oil for personal use. Okay. I keep a small jar of coconut oil in my bathroom so I can put it on my hands and use it on my face and legs and wherever. Um, I sometimes use it. Okay, if you have your microphones on, now's a good time to shut them off. I sometimes use them to, sh to shave my legs. Um, I put it on like an hour before uh, and then I could just shave and it actually makes like a really close shave. Um, 
For a razor, I actually just use one that where I only change the head and I recycle the plastic container that it comes in and the box that it comes in. Um, I'm actually, when I use up my supply, which I totally overbought for Aliyah because I was so, see, I was addressing my fears. I bought so much that, you know, I mean, it's not like the razors are going to go bad, but I bought a lot because I was worried maybe I wouldn't be able to get it in Israel. So once I, um, I use up my supply, I am thinking about switching to a straight razor where you can sharpen the blade. Um, and um, yeah, so that's what I use there. Um, let's see. Um, um, let's see. Okay. Rena called me about a maternity coat that she has with an insert that you can zip the panel in and and zip it out and use it for either when you're pregnant or when you're not pregnant and that's great and awesome rena you didn't tell me what brand it was so please call me back and let me know the brand so i can tell the ladies because i think that that's awesome that makes your coat not a unitasker and i hate unitaskers you know things that only do one thing so it's great um rena also asked me how to start a gamach well rena just get someone to give you space in their basement or offer space in your basement themselves. Put the word out to all your friends that you're collecting maternity and nursing gear or whatever kind of stuff you want. And get a few, ask for a few donations of some racks and some hangers and voila, you have a gamach in your basement. Um, I've never started a gamach before. It's always been on my to-do list. Um, I've actually been thinking about doing it for kids supplies here in Israel. But, uh, you know, let, let. Um, so, Rena, call me back. Let me know what you think of that and what brand the coat is. Okay. Someone called me and didn't leave her name and said, how much stuff do we need? How many shaitals? How much clothing? How many, I don't know, how much everything? And it's a great question. And there's no definitive answer. Um, what you need depends on a few things. It depends on where you live. It depends on what your job is. It depends on how many kids you have. It depends on where you at, where you are at in your life cycle. Um, so I think I've told you this before. Um, I have like five or six shirts and four skirts and you know six sweaters and four I have six dresses three for the winter and three for the summer and it's enough for me um in Israel it's a like mm, you know 75 percent of the year I'm not using my winter clothes but I still need them because in the winter it does get cold here and it's rainy and it's damp and like in my house like the the floor is, you know, tile, stone, and it's cold, and the heater doesn't, um, you know, heat the floor. Maybe you're lucky enough to have radiant heating. I'm not. Um, baseboard heating, I mean. And Tov, that's what I need. Um, what you need is a lot different than what you want. So I think I work out almost every day. Um, I have two pairs of sneakers and I rotate between them. That helps um, for do a few things. It helps um, with the smell of like sweaty sh shoes. And it also helps um, make them last longer because they have a time to um, like dry out and the sweat has time to absorb itself. Um, you know, and so it actually increases the life of the shoe. Um, I try not to wear the same shoes every day for that reason and I rotate my shoes. Um, I think I have eight pairs of shoes. Uh, it's been a while since I counted. When one wears out, I replace them and I get rid of the worn out one right away. Um, I think that's also key. We're not always getting rid of the worn out stuff right away and so we end up having more stuff than we actually need. Um, but, you know, I have a pair of Ugg boots to keep me warm, a pair of slippers. I have a pair of leather boots that I wear like when it's raining. Um, Although I really should get a pair of wellies and not have leather boots. I have 
a pair of toms that I love just for walking around regular. I have a pair of toms that are like sparkly that I have for Shabbos as flats. I have a pair of heels that I wear like to more dressy occasions. Two pairs of sneakers I said. Uh, I think that's it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and like, you know, that's enough for me. Um, I have like one other like fancy or a second fancy set a pair of red shoes and a pair of black shoes. Um, you know, that's enough for me. What you have will depend on you. Now, um, right now I have two shaitals. Um, I just got a new one because my old one was um, too stretched out for me and it's too big and um, it was actually not um, comfortable or didn't look nice on me, but I'm sure it will be really nice for somebody else. So I'm actually going to donate it. Um, and, you know, I only need one. Most of the time I wear midpachat and I don't, uh, you know, a scarf and I don't, um, I don't need to have 10 shaitals. Um, I think 10 shaitals is definitely an asset, uh, um, is excess. Um, I have some clients who have four. I kind of think that four is a lot also. I feel like one that you wear, like, that's schwach, you know, fine, like, for all the time, and then one nicer one is enough. Why do you need four? Um, and it has nothing to do with the expense. It has to do more with the resources that it takes to make them, but also the space that they take up and the usage that you're probably not even using them that much anyways like you probably have one or two that you're just keeping around in case but but why um so really how much stuff depends on a lot of factors i can't really give you a definitive answer but i will tell you this um you're probably okay with less <laughs> slowly slowly get down to your minimum don't make it your goal to have as little as me, and I actually kind of think I have a lot, so don't make it your goal. Make it your goal to slowly go through. At the end of each season is the best time to go through your stuff, see what you did wear, what you didn't wear, what fit you, what didn't fit you at the end of each season, and you'll remember, your memory will be freshest when you're changing over your wardrobe. So um, I actually don't even really change over my wardrobe. The only thing I have that I don't wear in the summer is my sweaters. And in, in the wintertime, I layer with tank tops underneath my regular shirt plus my shirt, and then I wear a sweater. And that's fine. And so I'm basically wearing the same clothes all year round. And for me, that's OK. Um, Elisheva uh, asked me about um, how I use coconut oil as mouthwash. So um, I actually just swish it in my mouth for about five or 10 minutes, uh, trying to get it like in between all the cracks and crevices. I put in a few drops of oregano oil, um, and that's supposed to be antibacterial. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, Miriam said about why should you get a, a new shaitel? Uh, if the old one is okay, it's true, you shouldn't. Um, but the old one you could also make into costumes or uh, I think that's great, reuse it for sure, definitely. Um, let's, someone asked me about zero waste hair removal, um, shaving, waxing, laser. So waxing is probably the worst way Shaving is okay, especially if you're not using a disposable hole razor, if you're just changing the heads out. Laser is, I think, the best in my opinion, but it's expensive, um, and it's a little bit time consuming, but if you have the, excuse me, if you have the money for laser, it actually probably will save you time in the long run because in between it lasts longer and it's semi-permanent, so you'll probably have like long stretches where you can go without, um, trying any hair removal at all. Um, okay, let's see. I want to just make sure I get to everything. Shalamis called and said she missed me. I missed you too, Shalamis. Keep calling me. I love hearing from you. Um, okay, this is a food question, but I just want to address it because 
it's more about storage than actually food. So um, a lady called me and asked me about bread storage. Is how to store bread. Well, um, okay, in Israel, you can't leave food out. <laughs> You'll get ants. I found that in New York City, I couldn't leave food out either, bread even, because you get cockroaches. So um, I always store bread in my refrigerator. Um, but if that's not something you want, I would get an airtight um, tin, a pretty tin. You can get beautiful, beautiful tins, especially in secondhand stores. You can totally find them. Um, and just you know, store your bread in it, but make sure it's really airtight because you don't want the bread to go stale. And then the same lady also asked me about how to store kids' books. Um, I'm not really sure about this question. I store my kids' books on the bookshelf with our regular books. Um, I, I don't think that kids' books are special. I don't let my kids really store their books in their room. All of our things, like items, are together. So all of our books are in one place in the bookshelf in the living room. Um, we don't have a lot of books. Um, we have the svarim that we need, and we have the books that we need. I'm constantly going through, swapping with friends, getting rid of and reducing. Um, we read a lot on our Kindles. Um, of course, this isn't good for Shabbos, so I do get books that I do read on Shabbos, but um, I usually swap them right back with a friend. So um, that's another great swap, book swaps. Do a book swap with your friends. Um, okay, a lady called me and asked me about artwork. She had been painting, and she hung up as much as she could. Um, she doesn't have the room, um, and she stores them under the beds. Um, first of all, in general, I hate storing things under the bed. There's this principle in feng shui that you're not supposed to block air and movement, and I actually really feel that that's true. Um, for myself, I feel very free when there's like nothing under my bed. So I don't actually store anything under my bed. Um, maybe you could use some of your paintings in your sukkah um, and store them someplace else. I wasn't clear if the paintings are framed or if they're on canvas and like stretched or if they're just um, on paper. I don't know. So that will also depend on how you store them. Um, another thing you could do is give them as gifts. Um, I need a little more information about exactly what kind of art this is. Like, is it, like I asked, is it on a canvas stretcher? Is it, um, uh, is it, what's it Paper. Uh, you know, what, what is it? Because that will affect how we could store it. Ladies, if anybody has any ideas about what you could do with the extra artwork, um, that would be great. Um, Something that we do with kids' artwork is nice, is we have like a, I don't have it, but a lot of my clients do this. Um, they have a clothesline, like across a wall, and they rotate out their kids' pictures. So maybe you can rotate some of the pictures um, if you don't want to throw them out. Um, but definitely, if you have stuff you love, give it as a gift. Um, in general, I'm against giving things as a gift, but like this is something you made, and, um, or maybe, Try a way, try to see if you could um, get a local restaurant. Oh, I just thought of this. A local restaurant, maybe, to hang up your pictures. That would be a really great way. Maybe you could even sell something that way. Um, that could be really great. Or maybe there's a, like, a local library or um, a social hall in your shul. Or I think you could donate some of the art, and that would also be really great. So if anybody has any other ideas, um, I'm open to hearing them, and I'll definitely report back. Um, uh, that's all the questions I got. 43 minutes. Okay, not bad. Um, I do uh, want you to keep the, the questions coming. Uh, I love hearing from you. It makes me feel like I'm not talking into the abyss and no one's listening to anything I'm saying. Um, I don't like talking to the abyss. Um... <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't really love to talk just to hear myself talk. I want to talk um, because I want to be useful. So, uh, you know, make me useful, ladies. Just give me your questions. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here to help you and answer you and give you the best tips that I can to help you try to stay organized. Um, in case I don't get to make a second recording before Yom Tov, I really want to wish everybody a Gemar Chatima Tova. I 
I, I'm so pleased that I've been able to talk to you for the last 28 weeks. I really, um, I, I really do love doing this, and I really love when people tell me that, like, they're, uh, you know, thinking about their waste, reducing their waste, and I want to just, before I go, share, like, a quick thought about something that happened to me. As you all know, um, I was traveling over the summer, and for part of the time, I was, I was at my parents' house, and I was gone for, you know, a month, and so um, I had the opportunity to use the mikvah in the city that I grew up in, uh, which I never lived in after I got married, so I don't really, I never really had to use the mikvah there before. And actually, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, so if anybody is listening in Silver Spring or Baltimore, yay to my peeps. Um, in, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, they just built a brand new mikvah, and it's beautiful. And they thought of everything and if you ever get a chance to use it it's really great and the mikvah ladies are so nice and I really um I love that experience but what I noticed about the mikvah is that and I guess I never noticed this before because um I remember the first time I went to the mikvah before I got married and I had made I guess my college teacher had said to me like bring the things that you need to make you feel, you know, comfortable during your time at the mikvah. And I had made myself a mikvah bag that I just grabbed with me and go. And it had like my nail clippers and shampoo that I liked. And I mean, this was a long time ago already, 15 years ago. And I don't definitely use the same products that I use them. But um, what I forgot is that there are so many like disposable things at the mikvah and one of the things that I um, thought that it would be really great if we could um, make a commitment to for this year and reducing our waste um, and this also actually helps the bottom line at the mikvah and it won't lower the cost of using the mikvah but it will help with their funding is what would happen if all of us brought our own toothbrush our own like uh, flip-flops, you know, to wear from, from the room to the pool, our own, uh, like, tooth powder or toothpaste. Instead of using, like, small disposable things that cost the mikvah a lot of money, what if we just made the simple step and brought a few supplies with us when we went? I think that it would make a big difference. If every single lady did that, it would make a tremendous difference in the cost of your local mikvah. And, you know, since I do that in Israel, I've sort of forgotten that, like, I didn't have my mikvah bag with me when I was in America. And, like, I really realized how, how much waste I used at the mikvah. And it was disappointing to me. And so I was just hoping Maybe for this year, you could just try, if you have to go to the mikvah, to please remember to bring some of your own supplies um, and just help reduce the waste. Like, we don't, it's really chaval to use a toothbrush one time, one time, uh, and to use like those paper slippers one time, or to use a disposable razor at the mikvah one time. Um, I, I hope that it's something that you'll think about um, and, you know, that it will help in your spiritual uh, connection at the time that you're at the mikvah, that you're doing something also good for yourself but and spiritual for yourself, but also something that's really great for the environment and also something that's good for the mikvah. <laughs> like, it will definitely keep the cost lower if everybody's bringing stuff. Now, I will say this. I have been to McVoth before um, where there are no supplies or very limited supplies, and I'm grateful that I brought my bag with me uh, because I realized, like, let's say I forgot something, and it just it wasn't even the product that I would prefer to use. Um, I'm not saying that McVoth shouldn't be stocked and supplied in case someone forgets something. I'm just saying think about... For the future, if you can, at least bring a toothbrush with you so you're not using a disposable toothbrush at the mikvah one time. Um, tov. I really want to wish you all a gamar chatima tova. I hope that 
5778 will be a year of renewal and um, peace for everybody. I hope that uh, you will each find a way to connect to your new organized better self um, and realize that it is a journey and that it doesn't happen overnight and that being organized has many, many components to it. It has the waste component, it has the time management component, it has the spiritual component, it has the physical component and that they all work together and I hope that everybody in your life will be on board with helping you get to be the best most organized you that you can be and I hope that you'll always remember um, that Hashem will keep you organized anything that I tell you are just tips and tricks to help you uh, do your hishtadlut I but really, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with Hashem. And I don't make you organized. You make you organized. Hashem makes you organized. And Hashem keeps you organized. I'm just here to give you advice or guidance or support and whatever you need. So I'm here for you. Leave me a message. Um, you can also send me an email. You can... Shout out to me in a bunch of different ways. Um, I do love hearing from you, and I try to answer. I'm sure that some people have fallen through the cracks, and for that, I definitely apologize. And I also apologize to all of you if I've said something that offended any one of you. I hope that I don't offend you. It is never my intention to offend anybody. Um, but I, I... You know, I just feel like this is part of my tough key to educate people and to help them on their journeys to organization. So it's never my goal to offend. It's always my goal to help. And I'm here if you need me. And you can reach out to me in a number of different ways. And I really do try hard to answer everybody's questions. Um, and so like I said, if I didn't answer your questions, I do apologize. Um, please ask them again, and I'll do my best to get to them. Sometimes people leave me voicemails. And they're like, hey, I asked you a question last week and you didn't answer it. And the thing is, is that I don't get to every question every following week. Um, but also sometimes ladies just call me up and tell me things. They don't actually ask me a question. So make sure if you want me to answer something, you specifically, you know, let me know your question. Because sometimes I just think you're calling for support, which I love. But if you do have a real question, I definitely want to answer it. So... Um, Tov, this year I hope will be a great one and I hope that you'll always remember Hashem keeps you organized um, and Hashem is really the one we should always, you know, go to for that support. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope that I can answer some questions about it. So good luck and Shana Tova and I will do my best to record again um, next week, but I can't promise anything. Uh, I'll at least try to try to do 10 minutes, um, especially if somebody calls me with a question. So hurry and call. Uh, okay. Good luck. Good week. Good Shabbos. Good Yom Tov. And I'll speak to you all very soon. Bezrat Hashem.